0: Welcome to Undeniable Impact, the official podcast of the Undeniable Brand. I'm Rhonda Berlino, a certified life business and stress management coach. and This is the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about gaining badassery from breakthroughs, mastering stress management, and rocking some resilience that supercharges your impact in every area of life. Making an undeniable impact is being your most empowered, unstuck, and unstressed self, creating expansive income and impact for generations. Now that's a legacy play, my friends, so let's get started. Hey there, today's guest is a special person because she is inspiring and empowering and because she is a teacher. Please, um, one of the people of the year should be teachers, frontline workers, teachers. And teachers historically have been so impactful and so important to the future of our country. And I I don't know about you, but I remember my teachers and those that were inspiring, those that that took a special interest in you for your particular um, strengths and helped you when you felt unseen or unheard or just terrible if you didn't understand things that were happening. And this year there have been a myriad of fearful kind of circumstances. I'm so grateful that there are people like Melissa out there. So let me tell you a little bit about her. She's an inspiring girls empowerment coach. She's a highly effective licensed classroom teacher who helps girls learn daily positive habits so they can feel confident in who they are and connect with other girls in an empowering environment. She's been motivating and cultivating connections among hundreds of girls and providing families with resources. She's created through probably over, I don't know, 25,000 hours or something now. But it started after noticing patterns in girls across four different school environments relating to struggles with self-confidence and self-esteem. having struggled herself into adulthood with low self-esteem and lack of confidence and strategies herself, she now uses her personal transformation and research with experience-based strategies to elevate girls To live their best life while linking arms in a community surrounding them with growth and empowerment. Melissa uses techniques that are responsive to the unique needs of each group of girls in creating and engaging activities that motivate girls to take action towards feeling confident and empowered, focusing on their strengths instead of their challenges. She has her master's degree in education. And through creating innovative, relevant lessons around positivity, growth mindset, the healthy connection among girls, feeling seen and valued, and creating family vision boards, like it's it's astounding what what you can do when you're walking that extra mile. Like she has, she's been featured on NBC, Fox, CBS, the CW, the twenty four seven times, and ID and so many other places. This woman is making a difference, not only by being a teacher, but by holding these specific meetings. And I believe it's across the state of Indiana for sure. She's looking to go nationwide. But they are lunchtime or um, after school programs called Girls Positivity Club. And let's talk to her now. You're going to love her. Hello, and welcome to the Undeniable Impact Podcast. I'm so excited to have Melissa here today. Melissa has something that's really dear to my heart going on, and I think it's something that should really, really have been done long ago. Well, it's been needed for a long time. And um, so Melissa has Girls Positivity Club. And Melissa, tell us a little bit about how this all started, about your journey to get us there.
1: Yes. So growing up as a girl, I had a very loving family and, you know, two parents, actually three parents who (laughs) gave me everything, you know, um, divorced family, but a happily divorced family, if that makes sense, like a very healthy relationship. Um, but I did not really have much confidence in myself. I didn't really know how to have confidence in myself and my mom didn't really either. My mom always kind of struggled with her own confidence Mm -hmm. Um, especially with her weight, because she went kind of up and down with her weight. She always has. And she had kind of a lot of baggage growing up uh, with her own self-concept and her own self-esteem. And so I don't think she meant to, but it probably impacted me a little bit in growing up and not knowing really Mm -hmm. how to believe in myself. And so we lived in a neighborhood when I was seven years old and I felt very, I remember this. It's so funny. It's one of those turning points. I felt very confident. I had friends. I loved where I lived. And my mom decided that the neighborhood was just starting to go downhill a little bit and getting just a little bit too dangerous for her. I never felt that way. But so we moved to <laughs> <the> town, <laughs> kids never think about those things, um, So,
0: I so moved,
1: right? And so we moved to a suburb of Indianapolis and there were no girls in the neighborhood. Uh, Well, one girl, and she was very tomboyish, which is great. Like she, That's how she wanted to live. But I wasn't. I played with Barbies. I was very girly. And I like to do things outside, too. But I just didn't really feel like I fit. And then even going to a new school, I just never really felt confident in being myself and being accepted as my true self. Even though I had a small group of friends, I just always felt like I was comparing myself and not really enough compared to the other girls for some reason. Mm -hmm. And fast forward, I kind of struggled with that all through school. And maybe on the outside looking in, you may not have even noticed that about me, because I think, Mm -hmm. you know, as girls, we can kind of mask that, you know, with activities that we do, or just, you know, it's not really something that that girls want to openly just talk about naturally. And so as I got older, when I was in my later 30s, I started really putting on a lot of weight because, um, my dad actually was diagnosed with brain cancer. And so I decided that, you know, I was just going to be happy and not really take care of my body. And so I stopped, you know, I didn't work out. I was like, I'll be happier if I don't work out. And if I eat whatever I want and I gained a ton of weight, so like 50 pounds over the course of two years. And it wasn't until I was in a target dressing room, actually. And I like saw that. I like, hate yeah. that. Oh. <laughs> it's like the three-way mirror. And that for some reason it was Target. And it like, it really shook me. Um, the way that I just it, it was like I really saw myself um in who I was at that moment. Mm-hmm. And so I found Danette May, who is uh she's all about healing foods and doing mm-hmm. quick workouts. And it's, you know, it was very affordable. And I was like, I'll try it. It's only $47. I'll try it. And it just clicked with me. She taught mindful workouts, you know, mindfulness and you know, all about giving your body self-love and like healing foods. And it right. was all about kind of healing yourself from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And so I joined this community of women online through her group and just started connecting. And then I started learning all of these, just you know, the positive thinking and how to talk to myself nicer and how to accept things about myself and Um, I started thinking like, why, why are we not doing this more with our girls? Because they shouldn't have to wait until adulthood. You know, I'm 38 years old and I shouldn't have to wait. You know, I shouldn't have had to wait this long to learn how to love myself. And so I started being a teacher. I started thinking like, okay, I've got to get to these girls. So I started these lunch meetings and they loved it. And it turned into lunch and recess a couple days a week because I didn't want to take their lunch and recess every, you know, every day.
0: And yeah. I just so you're a teacher though, right? I so am. It was in school. Okay. Yes, okay. Yes.
1: And yes. so I taught them the what I was learning, like put my own twist on it and put creative activities with it because I know, you know, when you're with kids all the time, you know what they like to do and especially girls. And they always wanted to talk about these things and there's really not class time to do it because as teachers, we have a lot, You know, a lot of pressure to do a lot of things. And so I was like, well, I'll just do it at lunch a couple days a week. And then it developed into, it grew from just a small lunchtime group of like 12 girls to 20 to 24. And then I reached out to the whole grade level and then it was like 30. And then I did an after school program and it was like 25 more girls. And then I went to
0: to another
1: school. And once,
0: oh, oh, so, so the after school (laughs) thing was. Not just your school, other, yes. other kids from other school came. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So what age are these girls? The
1: girls that I started with were in fourth grade. So they are 10 and, um, then I did K through five. So I did girls that, you know, I had girls in my clubs who were five years old all the way to 10 and 11. And wow. I've worked with ele- um, middle school girls too. And so, yeah, the girls named the club. There's a whole story behind that and it just has grown from there. And now I'm virtual so I can reach girls all over.
0: Yeah. So I think it's really interesting when you, when you talk about how important it is. I mean, we have talked about women and self-esteem and really every single one of the, I, I'm trying to accept myself or every eating disorder, every image issue comes from when you're, you know, when you're a child and there just aren't words to say, this is who I am. Or you as a child become what you see because you think that's what everybody is.
1: Yeah. With TikTok, I mean, TikTok especially is, I think that there can be so many good things. Like I have a TikTok account and I do positive messages with mine and positive because that's what I want to put out. but. I know that even with my nieces. Um, yesterday we had a holiday celebration, and they were on TikTok, and you know it's just such a, um, you know you got to do the dance, and you got to do that. You know mine aren't dancing videos, but they. do
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the a little, <laughs> the but um, so yeah, I just want the cool them.
1: aunt, right? Yeah, <laughs> You're
0: right. the cool aunt. Come on, yeah. Dance with probably song, like, on. come
1: on. Yeah, they got grandma involved. It was hilarious. Oh, all so,
0: right. Yeah, grandma <laughs> shook
1: it a little bit. Because, <laughs> uh, yes, I know, and she's like, "What am I doing?" Um, so it was funny. But um, I just watched them even opening presents, clothing, especially. You know, one of my nieces, I I know that it's on it's on their mind, and I just remember when I was a girl wondering what size I was going to be when I got older and wondering if I was normal size, I would ask my parents all the time, like, am I a normal size? And because I was always like you said, I was always trying to compare myself to some ideal, I don't know what it was. But a lot of times, the reason I brought up TikTok is because I think that sometimes they see Charlie D'Amelio, or they see some of these famous TikTok girls, and they think they have to look a certain way. And even though I will say there are some girls that that are heavier, that do like body image videos that are really good and, and things like that. But I think I still have that tinge of worry because it's like, you know, what does my feed look like on Instagram? And and do I have enough this? And, you know, there's such a, just a need for perfectionism and, but also wanting to be themselves and finding that balance, you know?
0: Yeah. Acceptance. I mean, everybody Mm -hmm. just wants to At the very core of it, they want to be loved for who they are. But what they're building as a young child is what everybody wants to see. And so there's this dissonance between this is the face that I'm building and this is who I am, right? And so for the rest of our lives, we try to narrow that gap. And I mean, there's only so much you can do early for them to actually have the concept of of what it is. But living from the inside out Mm -hmm. is, is such an important. Lesson, such an important, I mean, when you talk about, because I'm a stress management coach, you know, when you talk about where stress comes from, if you don't show up as yourself, Mm -hmm. then you're not being loved as yourself. Right. And there's this fear that goes on that says, if I don't continue to keep this up, I won't be loved. Or when I get to look like that, then I'll be loved, but I'm not loved now because I'm not looking like that.
1: Yes, totally. And you know, the funny thing is, even body image wise, like, you know, I lost all that weight, and I felt great about myself. But I was worried. Like inside, I was worried that I was going to go back, or I became very rigid about my food, because I I had this fear. And I can now talk about this, because I think I was in denial a little bit, when I had lost the weight. But I think I had this fear of just going back to the way I was and not being accepted or not, not accepting myself for who I was before because I just didn't feel as happy. But then when you lose the weight too, if you don't work on your inside, you're not going to be happy either. So it's like, luckily, I mean, not luckily I had put in the work and learned from, you know, my group. right? and And if I hadn't have done that, I don't think it would have stuck because I think it's the mind work that made the weight stay off and the lifestyle changes, obviously. But I think it was paired with all the mental work that I did in the group that really made the big difference.
0: So, when you gained all that weight, what you were really looking for from food was comfort. Mm-hmm right? So that was your coping mechanism. Am I hearing that right? Yes. For when things were so hard because your dad was really sick, right? Yes. So coping mechanisms is another thing that, you know, I just, I don't see it being taught in school. I mean, how do you really yes. teach that along with everything else that you have to teach? But what is, for me, what what is more important than teaching a child how to cope with the feelings that they're having? Yes. I mean, I don't know, Honestly, I don't know what the school systems in your area teach, but in my area, I know that there's a, an amazing amount of great, great teachers. I mean, I, my niece is a teacher, you know, and, and I mean, she's a girl mom too. Right? So, yeah. 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 So there's some, I mean, I know there are, are a lot of teachers who put in a lot of overtime because they see that there are not words given to these children by their parents, because their parents weren't taught. So it's kind of an interesting thing. Like, why would I have, I mean, the undeniable impact in my estimation begins when you're very young, because I think we're all here with a purpose. And what's really astounding to me is when you get older, you start to see that your life patterns, even though things that you think were less lovely, (laughs) you know, like maybe this last year, less lovely in a lot of ways. Right. But they taught you something that otherwise you would not have learned. Yes. Right. And so when I think of kids, when I think of my, my younger self, life was much different and divorce was part of my situation as well. Mm -hmm. And yelling was part of my situation. Yeah. And nothing kills self-esteem more than like yelling. Yes. I mean, I'm sure there are a few things, but yeah, generally speaking, parents don't think if I'm hollering, it's going to be a problem for them. But, right. you know, if you don't show coping skills and the ability yes. to, you know, handle yourself, yeah, yes. then kids are going to pick it up. Anyway, so I suffered and, and people would not have thought at all that I, they even still think that I'm an extrovert. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I I pushed so hard to be tough enough to handle the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. And I did pretty well in terms of just, but because I had that undeniable kind of ballsy, yeah. I won't, I'm not going down. <laughs> the rest yes. of the world is nuts. <laughs> yes. So I have to be strong, you know. But that led to from the age of 10, like I would do meltdowns, yeah. like meltdowns every it was like every 10 years maybe mm-hmm. unless something else happened like meaning like i ended up being molested as i was babysitting so
1: mm-hmm. at 11
0: it's never a good time for a girl to be in that situation right but that 10 11 is a very important age right yeah. and so because i fought with that all the time i really didn't understand that i was pushing to be Way outside of the person I was to protect the person inside that was so hurt. So the stuff that you do is so important, not just to the girls that are there. So what kind of interaction do you have with their mamas?
1: Yes, I interact with their mamas on mainly in my Facebook, on my Facebook page, and, and I-, I teach ways that they can connect with their daughters. So one of my favorites is the interactive journal and because girls don't always know, and they've told me this, they don't know how to approach their parents about things and how to talk with them without making it a big deal. Mm -hmm. Even there was a girl in my club and her mom's going through cancer. And so she, I mean, kids deal with a lot and it, and not all, you know, that extreme, but she told me in one of our sessions that she felt, kind of invisible at dinner, because they talked about bills, and they talked about adult things, and they didn't really ask her anything. And they're kind people like, and I know they were under extreme stress. But I think one of the ways that you can do it is, um, and I'll come back to the interactive journal. But one of the ways is just to involve your daughters in a dinner conversation or in a conversation. And I I do believe that there are adult conversations that happen away from kids. But we have to be really mindful. And they've said like, they want to talk to their parents just about nothing because talking about nothing is everything, you know, talking about, yeah. you know, some drawing that you did or talking about what, you know, the dog, you saw the dog do or anything like that. Those are the things, the little things, you know, that are, there are ways of having connection points with us. Definitely, And, and that interactive journal idea is where if you, you want to establish just like a consistent communication that's, that is nonverbal. You just grab uh, any kind of a notebook. It can be a spiral bound. It can be a cute one, whatever the parent and child and daughter want to do. And basically it's written conversation. So they have a set place where they, where they exchange the journal. So for example, um, if I were to put the journal under my daughter's pillow, that would be my spot that I would always give it to her. And then she would put it on my nightstand or whatever it is. We would have an agreed upon place. And so we would take turns writing back and forth to each other about anything. It can be about nothing. It can be about your day. It can be about a poem you're writing. It can be about your favorite qualities about your mom. It can be about the dog. It can be a story. It can be a drawing that you start and your mom finishes or it could literally anything. And the idea is to establish that consistent pattern of communication in a way that's nonverbal. You should also talk to your kids, obviously, but you pass it back and forth. And then that way, when something does come up, it's not as big of a deal for them to write about it in the notebook if they don't feel comfortable yeah. talking about it out loud. Because mm-hmm. well, And I didn't even realize how crucial this piece was because one of the girls in my club said, she tried it with her mom. Cause I said, have you, cause she told me about feeling kind of invisible at dinner. And I said, well, have you tried the interactive journal idea that I taught you? And she was like, well, we kind of did, but my mom said, write about it. If I noticed she had a weird feeling about her neighbor and she just wanted me to write if I felt uncomfortable or so she made it like this really heavy thing. Oh. Um, yeah. Unintentionally. I mean, I know she meant well, but it it created this heaviness and I saw the girl like her face totally changed when she talked about it. And I said, well what if what if you approached your mom again? Because I knew her mom too and very lovely woman. And I know she didn't do it on purpose. Because with girls especially like we don't I mean and with parents in general like you don't do those on purpose. You're trying you have good intention. So she said she was going to try it again, but just to establish that consistent, you know, back and forth to where you can non-verbally speak. And then that way, if you are stressed, if you are feeling pressure about a test, if you are feeling like you're not really fitting in, or there's a friend that's really kind of pressuring you in some way, um, those are really common things that the girls tell me about. Mm
0: -hmm. Those
1: things can be written or obviously
0: they can talk about them too. So. So that's so, fun. so making it something that's really fun. Well, yes. I mean, really just the points of connection, right. Those things yeah. that are like this, this was something fun in my day today, or this, this was yeah. something special. Like yeah. how do you teach the kids? How do you teach them or talk to them, I guess, about um, how to trust someone, mm-hmm. right. How like they have girlfriends, how to select the right group of girls and, yeah how it feels right. how does it feel to have you know girls that are like believing in themselves and kind mm-hmm. to each other and lifting each other up instead of yeah. being carried. tell me about your girls oh today. yeah
1: oh i love talking about this
0: and <laughs> to kind of go
1: back to that was i also teach that interactive journal to the moms. So I, that was the oh, reason yeah. I, that. I'm sorry. I forgot That's to say okay. that part. That was my, that was my whole like connection of, I teach that to the moms and I also teach it to the daughters so that they can
0: come together in a commonality. So. Which is so good. That's so good. I mean, I mean, it would probably work in a lot of different circumstances, yeah. right? I mean, like if I did that for my husband, he'd probably go, Oh, who knew? Yeah, I, know. I don't know. Put
1: this on my side of the bed. Yes, I know. Well, you were talking about friends and how to do that. This is what I talk about all the time. Surround yourself with positive people. If they're not lifting you up, then they're not the right people. And it's really hard for girls because what I do is kind of like a friend audit with them. So in one of my sessions, I had the girls grab their journal and I said, okay, I want you to write down who are your closest friends. Like write a couple of names down. And if it's one person, that's fine. I know you all have a friend. And so they wrote the friend's name and I was like, okay, what are their qualities? What are their best qualities? So they wrote down their good qualities. And then I said, is there a friend who you've ever been around who has talked about people behind their back, who has complained a lot, who has, and I just kind of give them these scenarios and I know what the scenarios are because I work with kids. And so I name things that I know they can relate to. So like at recess, they come up to you and they're like, Hey, do you want to hang out? And then someone else comes along and they leave you and don't say anything. Like, that's a very common thing that happens. And they're like, yes, yes. I'm like, okay. So look at your friend list. Are they all positive qualities? Do you feel good when you're around this, you know, this group of girls? And I had one girl in particular who had written down three names and two of the names were, um, you know, Creative. These were like the, the positive qualities, creative, kind, thoughtful, encouraging. And so like pretty similar with these two girls. And she mm-hmm. had told me before about this one girl in her neighborhood who was just really kind of nasty to her. And just at school, they're in different classes. And because of the pandemic, we don't socialize with other classes during recess. They're all separate. So I stay with my class the entire day, including lunch, including like all the places. So they don't get to interact with other classes. So she was saying this other girl would purposely whisper and look at her from across the cafeteria to this girl that they were both friends with and kind of use it against her and all this stuff. And so I said, I noticed that you wrote her name down as one of your close friends. And she's like, I did. And so I said, well, tell me like, what are her qualities? Negative, secretive, goes through my things. Like she talked about this girl coming to her house, going through her things. And because I said, you know, do you ever write about your, write in your journal, you know, what's bothering you. And then just, I teach him like the thought rip up, like you write down what's bothering you and then you can just rip it up if it's, you know, to release it, the purge. Right.
0: Good. Yeah. I said,
1: do you ever do that? And she was like, well, I would accept, I think that she would find it because she looks for my things. And so we just had a conversation. I know it was so, I was trying really hard to be neutral. <laughs> so, yeah. And it's like, I wanted to be like, don't be friends with her anymore. Like she is <laughs> not to, you. No, know, kick her. And like, nah, I didn't want to be whatever. But um, be like, no. So, but she actually discovered it herself. I said, I want you to notice the qualities you wrote down about this girl compared to the other two girls. Do you see anything? She was like, yeah. And I was like, well. I want you to be brave about something. I said, do you feel good when you're around this girl? No, I actually feel worse. And I said, you know how we always talk about surround yourself with positive people. Mm -hmm. What if you took a step back and took a break and just said, Hey, I'm just going to hang out at home. You know, we went through scenarios of like, we practiced what she could say. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. Because they don't know exactly what to say. And I did this with, and these are all one-on-one calls with girls. These aren't in front of the whole group. These are, these are private, you know, Zoom conversations. And I did this with another girl too. And just like practicing what to say. And then I said, well, I'll follow up and, you know, see how it's going and how you're feeling about your friends. And I didn't know because you can only teach them and then they have to decide, you know, who do they want to say? Yeah. That's part of it. It is. They get to decide. Yeah. And so the next time I followed up with her, I was like, so how we were in breakout rooms and her partner got kicked out because of an internet issue. And she was coming back in. And I was like, Well, I have you for a second, how's it going? <laughs> with friend?'" And she goes, oh yeah, we're not friends anymore. And I was like, yes, I was <laughs> like, sorry. Okay. I was like, what made you decide that? And she was like, well, I realized when we wrote down the qualities, like I realized, she wasn't my cup of tea and she wasn't making me feel good. And so I knew that I needed to do something about it.
0: So, so good. I mean, that's such a, that's such a coping skill for life, right? That's boundaries. And, you know, these boundaries that this is your, this is your space. And yeah. seriously, I think, especially if someone grows up with some chaos in their house mm-hmm. of some sort, yeah. they they lack boundaries, right? And so yes. people do whatever people do and it starts to get things pretty mixed up so they don't feel right but they're being loved for all of the stuff that's not that's crazy if that makes sense to you right so whatever the friend is it actually is a friend who knows things yeah (laughs) yeah she knows things and so those are dangerous friends right
1: so you have to keep them closer (laughs) yes it's so true I know and she's like I'm like are you still no we're not friends anymore I'm like okay because her biggest fear, and I think this comes down to, I think just everyone, I mean, people pleasing is such an issue with girls uh, and mm-hmm. with women. Like I struggle with it myself. Yeah, and so she was talking about, I said, okay, what is, because at first sh- she said, I don't know if I can do that. And I said, well, what is the worst thing that you think would happen if you s- take a break from her and you just stop being friends? She was like, I think she'll turn everybody against me. And I wow. said, yeah. And I said, okay, and what would ha- what would that look like? And she said, well, people could stop talking to me. And I said, okay, what else could it look like? And so we kind of went to the worst case scenario and to get that out because she was holding all of that in. And I said, okay, now let's do best case. What's the best case that can happen? And right. she listed double the things like I'll be happier. I won't feel stressed when I'm at her house. I won't worry about FaceTime calls that I'm not a part of. I won't, I mean, it was all these things that outweighed the, the other. And I said, do you really think that people will stop liking you? Like I said, you're a really kind person and really like well-liked. I said, I know you and I know that that kids like you for sure. And I said, but it's okay if not everybody likes you. And I was never told that. <laughs> right. I w- I always thought everybody needed to like me and I needed to be for every person and I could adapt. I think one thing, yeah, I learned how to adapt to different friend groups and even today like I can fit in pretty much with any group. Right? Same. Yeah, same. I
0: know. I think we just learned. A chameleon. These are yeah. chameleon skills. Ready? Right? So I'm part of it is like, we can, we can accept other people for who they are, which is a really good thing, but being able to empower somebody to to have a choice of where they want to be, how they want to feel and that you just taught that girl some coping skill, Mm -hmm. right? Like when I get ostracized for, you know, cutting off this relationship or somehow so whatever the punitive things are that are coming at me, how do I deal with what does it look like? When I have a hard decision, mm-hmm. I can then, you know, look at the bad side and I can look at the good side and all that. I mean, that's an important thing. Coping skills, uh, there's there's so much I could say about coping skills. And the reason the reason is because of the lack of them in children, being taught to children. Okay. And yep. And I mean. So we all go through life and make mistakes. Yeah. Okay. Most of them won't kill you. Most of them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but there's a point where you want to teach them that logical thought process. And when kids are below that age, I mean, they pick up stuff so much. So you're either teaching them or they're learning by what you do. Yes. And the hardest part of parenthood, if you ask me, is that, the parents are kind of growing up but at the same time as the kids are growing up. So it's not always easy. I mean, what you do right now is, I mean, the girls club period is like that midway mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> where you're teaching the girls, maybe what their parents didn't have time or didn't have a thought process for. And you're yes. also teaching the parents where their thought process can go, Yeah, which is amazing. So in terms of stress, tell me about, so you have kids all day long. Tell me about their stress with COVID and how you're helping them through that. Yes, I teach
1: them. I teach them positive habits. I just take it upon myself to do it. And so I would say their main stress levels are, um, we've gotten used to wearing a mask because we're in person right now. And the stress is probably a little bit of the restrictions of the, the assigned seats in lunch and just more social than anything. I think they miss their friends from other classes because yeah. like I said, I'm out there at recess with them pitching kickball. Like, and we play together as a class and we're in zones, you know, we all have assigned zones. And so we don't ever see except for passing in the hall, any other fifth graders at all. And we see other kids passing by, but it's, I think that's the part, the the point of contact and they're missing, their friends that they used to be able to socialize with from other classes is one of the stresses that they, that they tell me. And another is their performance in school. It always comes down to, am I going to look stupid if I raise my hand and I say the wrong answer in front of my peers, that is still such an issue. And I lean into that and I teach them that, you know what, you raising your hand only when you're hundred percent correct is holding others back from being brave to raise their hand because what's the worst thing that's gonna happen if I said, you know, you raise your hand, you say a wrong answer. Do I ever say that's terrible? You're no, you know, like be what a stupid answer. Stupid. Yeah. You know, does yeah. everyone laugh and like because I don't allow any of that. I I tell them that when they walk in the room, they're in a safe place, they're in a positive place, and we lift each other up in this room. We clap all the time. We clap for people. We give people standing ovations. We, um, nice. they nominate each other for, they're called tiger tickets, but they're basically just acknowledgements of like good things that they're doing. I'm like, okay, who can you nominate? Be on the lookout for other people and what good they're doing and focus on the good. I mean, you can dwell on the bad things all you want. And I'm not ignoring that there are never bad things, but you know, when you teach kids
0: to look for the good, then they see it. And Yeah, you teach them whatever you look for, you're going to find. Absolutely. So what is the uh, upside for finding all of the bad? I mean, yeah, that's what I say. And I have some of the
1: kids in my class, like I have a tough class. I have some kids who have some history of kind of having a bad reputation in school. And I have people stop me all the time and say, I can't believe how, you know, he is acting because I've never seen him do this before. It's because he feels seen. He feels appreciated, and yeah, I mean, everyone makes mistakes, and we talk about that. We learn from our mistakes, and I have Marie Forleo's quote: "Everything is everything is figure <laughs> yeah, I have that in my classroom, I love and Marie. I tell it to them all the time. I know I right. love it, and I'm like, "Everything is figure outable, right, guys?" And they're like, "Yes." And I think even just during tests, this is another stress that they have when they take a test, even. I have done a couple of things. I, if it's a longer test, I will break it apart into smaller pieces for them. So it's not as stressful. Um, I had a four page math test and I gave it to them one page at a time. And I had them write a positive message to themselves at the top of their paper, or I'll have them in their notes, like write something empowering and I model it for them. Like when we go over things and I make them write like an empowering message at the top of their paper, because they don't naturally do that. And I, I coach them in the moment of like, I have this boy that was, you know, supposedly kind of a bad kid, I guess. He now asks me for help. And I say, asking questions is a strength. You guys ask me all the questions. I was always afraid to ask. Right. right. And now he'll say, I don't understand this. And I always say, you do understand it. What step do you need help with? He was like, I said, do you not understand all of it? Or is it, no, I do under, I'm like, okay, that's what we're going to say from now on. I know how to do this. Will you help me with this? And so- That's so good. That's so good.
0: So I I study the brain a lot. (laughs) Neuroscience is like amazing to me. But one of the things that the scientists, neuroscientists discovered is when you tell your brain- you're on the right path. Mm-hmm. Your brain is wired like, yes. Okay, good. Let's get more of that. It's yeah. like enlisting help from your brain in order to get you where you're trying to go. So between the each page, you realize that you had the kids tell their brains, <laughs> right? Tell yeah. your brains, you're on the right track. You're on the <laughs> right track. So that's
1: so good. And that's, that's so I have my girls do. I have my girls make themselves <laughs> pump-up signs. I have them make signs for themselves. And we always do a visual because you remember things five times more when you handwrite it. Um, rather than them just listening to me, they interact and they, they make things that are visuals that are going to give them like a trigger reminder mm-hmm. of what we did in the group. And so I tell them all the time, make yourself a pump-up poster. Make it for someone else too. So, you know, they have things like, Keep on going, or I can do hard things, or
0: whatever it is, because that's that's a Glennon yeah. thing, right? Yeah, I think exactly. we have some of the same people we love, right? Yeah, Glennon, Glennon Doyle, um, we can do hard things. Marie Forleo, of yes. course, it's all figure outable mm-hmm. Brene Brown, no yes. doubt. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. So yeah, I know I would have those big signs if anybody else besides me would look at them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I know my husband's always like, "How many signs do you have around here?" But I love it. I know. Yes.
0: So what's the future look like for a a girls positivity club, Melissa?
1: Oh my gosh. I have so many big plans. I have notebooks full of ideas. I want to go nationwide. I want to go worldwide and just help as many girls as I can and just teach them these little positive habits that they can do every day that it doesn't have to be this big thing. It's just those small steps that are consistent that we take every day. Pouring back into ourselves, and also being kind to others, and you know, reaching out to mm-hmm. other girls. And what I really am passionate about is joining girls, either virtually or in person, who are from all different backgrounds, who are sporty, who are different races, who are all kinds of personalities, around a common goal of mm-hmm. empowering themselves to empower each other's and and cheering each other on because that's what we need is for girls to cheer each other on instead of tearing each other down. Because yep. that's the part that I think I missed growing up is I always compared myself to other girls thinking I wasn't enough, wasn't enough. And the good enough theme has always followed me. And especially being a high achiever, you know, I'm a high achiever and I was in denial about being a high achiever for a while. And <laughs> I took the,
0: are you a yes. smart check? That's the deal. Like, yeah. Uh, my husband said to me, look at, look at me with the smart girl. So I'm, yeah. Cheerleading the whole, the whole time. The chameleon in me was like in every group yep. in every, you know, but it was all such a need for acceptance. Completely. And it's, it's hilarious when you, not hilarious. It's, yeah, it's kind of comical. Really. When you, when I ended up back at like, okay, so we're talking girls club. There was, was really not a positivity thing, but there was a um, peace culture. Okay. It's an acceptance culture. Right. Right, and right. So, yeah. And so for me, it was like, look. Yeah. peace <laughs> to Everyone. I belong okay. Peace <laughs> and love. Come on now. Let's, yeah. let's get peace a chance. Let's do that. Right. Yeah. So, so when I think back on, on those days, um, some of them were really hard for me to handle. And I didn't realize how important school was Mm -hmm. that it's like an extended family. It is. But you can belong easier Mm -hmm. sometimes to an extended family than you can to your own family. You know, so and I really just had two really close girlfriends that, you know, the ones that knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are the dangerous yeah. ones. You yeah. know, you will always be my friend because you know too much. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I know a lot about you too. So we're we're bonded for life. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, I thought, because I had an alcoholic father until he was 50 and I was 30 really when he oh. got sober, but he was a raging alcoholic. And so the the scary thing, the life of this mm-hmm. child growing up was that I didn't think anybody at school knew. Mm -hmm. Um, I was hiding it for, for some shame and the shame thing was such a big deal. And that not enough, that not equaling up that kind of thing hurt me more as an adult than it did as a child, Mm -hmm. because as a child, I mean, I just figured out, okay, these are my coping skills. (laughs) I was developing them like a wild woman because I had to, right. And so when it, when it came to later on in my life, when I realized that I, had done hard things mm-hmm. and that girls need to know you can do hard things yeah. and running away from the pressure is much more damaging mm-hmm. much more trying to using damaging coping circumstances like because i always had to be in control because i hated alcohol so bad mm-hmm. the drugs and alcohol thing didn't get to me right but the eating part did yeah. you know like trying to control things yeah so there's always a coping mechanism going on in the background because life is what life is. Yeah. And I have to tell you, like the, the situation with my dad was bad. Mm-hmm. He was bad. But by the time he was 50, he was my best teacher. Yeah. And so seriously being able to go the gamut there, yeah. I learned some great coping skills, forgiveness skills, you know, all kinds of things. And so to give a basic coping curriculum if you will so yeah that's what you do so when it's when I heard girls positivity club I was like oh you know because we talk about that kind of spiritual yeah positivity not yeah. Spiritual, just glazing over what it is you know and and some of that is really harmful yeah because you know, it's not it's not teaching them how right. to deal with what is it's teaching them to see it as something else which sometimes is really right. great you right. know sometimes that works out pretty well yeah. But, you know, as a, as a general coping circumstance doesn't really give them the coping skills to deal with it. And so one of the things that I steal from Glennon Doyle all the time from her Love Warrior book, mm-hmm. and that is, I see your pain. I see the issue and it's big, but I see your courage and it's bigger. And I'll be right here with you getting you through that. Touch me. Yes. Because I never heard those. My mom was definitely there. She did not know how. And that's why I mean, just like you were talking about, like, the moms that love you the most yes, are dealing too. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's such a great service that you do. Such an important thing for girls, Melissa, really. And if you ever want to, like, branch out into other states. <laughs> oh, I do. So I seriously, do. there yeah. has to be a way. I mean, I'm a course creator. Yes. I, I have Gosh, well, most of mine comes from stress fractures. You know, like what's hurting Mm -hmm. is a way to connect them back to their body and what's going on. Mm -hmm. And like you are as a child, you know, like you learn as a coping skill to like not feel, to not not deal, Mm -hmm. push it down, all that kind of stuff. Pretty soon, that becomes the stress fractures that I work with, right? And so, and I work with them in adults not, not children as much. Mm-hmm. I even work with inmates in terms of that. It's kind wow. of an interesting situation, but it's called Hope for Prisoners. Yeah. It's like an amazing thing because people don't get coping skills training. Like they also don't get brain health training. If they yeah. could see a scan, like i I'm, I'm mentored by Dr. Daniel Amon of Amon clinics. And he takes mm-hmm. brain scans and shows he can show a child this is a brain, the, the reality of not a brain, you know, like an egg, <laughs> like right, the right, real right. brain. Yeah. yeah, the real brain and what it does and, and what certain medications do mm. and the problems that it causes for your brain. Right. And so yeah. if there's something wrong in your life, there's, there could be something off, just off, you know, that's, yeah. Fixable by nutrition or whatever. You know, there's so many great things now, but it all starts with asking questions, like having a teacher like Melissa (laughs) that says, This is brave. And if you don't ask questions, you're missing it. Do you know? Okay. So for the listeners, Melissa and I are both a member of this group, and I (laughs) am the girl. I talk a lot, but I don't ask questions because I learned very early not to have needs and not to ask, which really, is insane. But right. I sat back and watched all these people. Mm-hmm. It's uh, for, for reference, this is, this is Chris Winfeld and um, Jen Gottlieb in their BSA. they any one of their courses, yes. uh, highly recommended, but because it's in person, like you're pushing the thing that you believe in. So it is living life from the inside out, with everything that scares you, like being yes. in front of people and saying exactly how you feel and exactly what you don't know and realizing that you don't even know what you don't know. Yes. So having somebody that you trust around bringing it full circle to like the teachers, got to give you kudos for the teachers kind mm-hmm. of thing. And above and beyond for the for the um, things that you do with the Girls Positivity Club, seriously. Mm-hmm. So Is there anything that you would want to impart to female high achievers that maybe the child within them could benefit from?
1: Yes. I think just what I teach my girls, because I think we all need to push through our fear and ask questions and be seen in a way that feels vulnerable because even when we are taking steps toward the right direction, we still are going to stumble. And I think asking for help and asking a question and being the person who's like, okay, I'm going to keep going anyway. I'm going to figure it out. Or if it seems too scary to ask, you know, someone just Googling it and figuring it out for yourself so that you learn from it, because there've definitely been, and I love, you know, our BSA group and, you know, Jen Chris and Jen, have been amazing. And they've helped us grow in so many ways and and push through fear. And just also when you start to feel like giving up, I felt like giving up and then I had a breakthrough. And so there, I think to the high achieving women, there are going to be those times when you're a high achiever, you have such high expectations for yourself. And I have to limit myself to three tasks a day that I'm going to accomplish and really accomplish them because otherwise I will list 15 things and, you know, be down on myself because I only got to 12 and then, you know, <laughs> and so, and, which is still good. And so I did a little technique to help myself too, where there was a day I just remember feeling so down and like, you know, nothing was working. My pitches weren't going through my, this and that. And Jen Gottlieb taught us this just to write down your wins. And I am not, yeah. I had, 30 things that I had accomplished that day. And so I would say to a high achieving woman, write down the things you are doing, because like we talked about earlier, it's what you focus on. And yes, maybe there are days when my three tasks, maybe I picked the wrong ones, or maybe one took longer. I I get really down on myself about like, gosh, I'm not to my second task yet. You know, when I'm doing my, you know, my minutes, my Pomodoro minutes or whatever, my 25 minutes of trying to be productive, you know? And I'm like, why is this taking me so long? It's like, well, Melissa, you don't even know how to do this. You're teaching yourself. So it's that (laughs) self-talk too. You know, it's like never done this before. Like practice what you preach and give yourself a second, (laughs) you know, to not do the exact thing that you know, it's like give yourself a break and also know that any steps toward your goals are good and it's consistency that compounds and it's consistency that adds up to what you want to achieve. And it's okay if you stumble and if you're too shy about asking for help, just figure it out. And it's okay. Be like Marie Forleo. Everything is figure figureoutable. And if it takes you a little bit longer, then that's completely okay. Sorry about my son. That's
0: all right. <laughs> that's okay. Man songs. man in the room. Okay, He just walked in to get the hotspot. So sorry about that. (laughs) That's okay. So, so because we do have some, some men in our audience as well. Mm -hmm. um, What would you say to them in terms of raising strong men, children? I would say that um, boys
1: especially still need the same thing. They need, they need to be um, poured into. I mean, because like I was telling you, the boy that, you know, it's labeled bad or a hard kid, you know, really what they want is for someone to tell them what they're doing right. And to help them through the other things, because all people want to do good things. I believe that. And I yep, believe I did there, too. Yeah, I believe there's good in everyone. I think that some people don't always know what to do or how to do it. And so that is the key. I think it's just letting them be seen. And doing some reframing about the way they talk about themselves. Um, I know my son sometimes, if he messes up, he'll say something like, You know, I'm so stupid. I'm like, You're not stupid. You, this is the first time you've done this. It's okay right. that you don't know how to do this. It doesn't right. mean you're stupid. So I think, even as dads, especially, like my son idolizes my husband and he hangs on his every word. And so for me, when I'm pouring into him, like he hears me do that all the time. When my husband does it, It means even more because he isn't as talkative as me or isn't as vocal about it. But when he does tell him, hey, it's okay. It's okay if you didn't do that. Or, you know, here, let me show you how to do
0: this. Then he really just internalizes it a lot. Right, right. So I think there is a child in every one of us adults. And when something gets to a point where the stress is massive, you will often find the trigger point is yes. something that you struggled with as a child. Absolutely. So I'm encouraging the listeners not just to teach children coping skills, but to learn from what they're teaching them, right? <laughs> to apply those to the childless end that it has never been told, look, I know being vulnerable is uncomfortable, but yes. this is where the sweet spot is. Yeah. So. It doesn't really matter what somebody's gonna say about you because what's gonna benefit your life yes. is being brave enough to be vulnerable, say the thing, do the thing, mm-hmm. develop the thing, whatever it is, but connecting to yourself. And when I talk about that with my husband, he's always the very much like my okay, so my man child is like 40 now. Yeah. He's, he's I couldn't even believe it that his cousin. Uh, called me on the phone and said, "Wow, I knew one day it would <laughs> it would hit, and now your kid is quoting your psycho babble." <laughs> 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 See, it goes in; it is yes. in there somewhere, you know. But everybody has their own path, and I do think that just like children, adults need to connect with what's inside them, with what hurts, what doesn't feel right, mm-hmm. and what's holding them back, basically. Because okay. that's the growth edge that's yeah. gonna free you from whatever the small child wasn't able to accomplish that's still stuck there. And now, as an adult, you're more empowered, and suddenly you find the growth edge, and you're like, "Oh, got it. Didn't yeah. realize it though." And sometimes kids can, it can just mirror that back to you. Yeah. And so that's why it was important for me to to um, have you on the show. Not only that, I mean, being the a boy mom, I didn't really get the girl kind of thing going on. And from all of the work that I've done in psychology and all of the training and life coach and stress management coaching and all that, it all comes back to what you think of yourself, what you say to yourself, and how you treat yourself. Yep. Honestly, I don't think we can have too many people spreading that message. You know, like, so what you say to yourself, why? Why would you talk yourself out of it? Do you know your brain hears you? Yeah, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, I tell them. I say, would you say what you say in your head? Would you say that to a friend? And if the answer is no, then you shouldn't say it to yourself. Right. Because if you are, and I think one of the most vulnerable moments I have with them using that negative thought rip up that I was talking about the purging. Yeah. Uh-huh. I. I modeled in real time in front of them, all the negative thoughts I'd ever thought of about myself. I mean, I filled a page front and back and I read them out loud. I read them out loud to them and they couldn't believe, you know, that I said like, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm dumb. I'm, you know, all these things, yeah. they were shocked. And they then, not that I was encouraging them to fill the page, but I said, I want you to be honest with yourself. You're not going to have to read these out loud to anyone. I did that. So you could see that you may not even realize that I've had these thoughts and they look up to me as a role model. And it's like, no, like you said, it's how you talk to yourself. Yeah. You feel about yourself. All of that is so important. And you want to treat yourself really well, because that's, that's just what you should do first from your inside, you know, empowering
0: right. yourself. So yeah. Yeah. So I, like I can't it. wait to, so I'm, I'm midway in the certification for Dr. Amen's brain health course. So teaching his curriculum to yeah. kids, love to it. kids. Oh, yeah, love because it. if they understand what their brain does, then when they start to talk to themselves, mm-hmm. they will understand, they will understand. Oh, so this is my brain is working. Come on, brain, we're almost there. One more yes. page of this test. Yes. We're almost there, you know. Yes. And also know that what you eat does matter to how well your brain works. So choices mm-hmm. going into self-care, what our bodies actually need. So it's not a sissy la, la nice pedicure, or right. I mean, I'm not I'm certainly not knocking that down. <laughs> I know what you mean. No, I just yeah. thought too. It's, it's, yeah. it's really, we do have needs as humans.
1: Yes.
0: And those needs help us to perform the best. And in order to have a better world, we each need to be our better person. Yep. And so I'm really looking forward to, I can't wait to have the certification and start teaching here. As it turns out, of course, COVID, we're all in, in Las Vegas, in Clark County, in Nevada, we are all still on um, pretty much lockdown homeschooling. Okay. They just don't. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing that the casinos have have even opened, but even that, you know, things are slow. Restaurants are hurt. It's it's really, really a a hard, a hard thing. And I worry for kids Mm -hmm. in terms of like one of the kids of a mom that I spoke to, and she was like, I don't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. So teaching the children how to be not spread COVID. How to wear the mask and do the thing right? Mm-hmm. And she said, um, "It's Christmas time, and and we're going to take the kids to see my mom." And I was having trouble with my child, who who at the time was eight years old. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I think he just had a birthday, but anyway, you get <laughs> it. But like, we shouldn't go. We can't go. Why is that? Because I don't want to kill grandma. Aww. And I mean, that's a lot of pressure. It is. On a kid to, to feel like that. So it's an important thing to be able to turn that power, the, the empowerment that he's taking on his own self. Like, look, what I do matters. Right. Yeah. Here's the way to do that. Right. 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 Exactly. Take out the precautions, yada, yada, and actually have him be heard and, and seen mm-hmm. and loved for that kind of care yes. for somebody else. Right. Yes. So it's not an easy era, but life will always be. A mix of the tragic and the terrific. Mm -hmm. The you know, so learning now I think is it's an amazing way for you at this point to get to girls and you know, girls mother the nation. Yes, Um, it do. do.
1: (laughs) That's what I think. Yeah, we just need to we need more women leaders and you know, and it's not even about being, you know, feminist or anything like that. It's all because I support boys as well, and I know you do too. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's all about, like we said earlier, just teaching them how to just have those everyday skills of of how they can feel good about who they are, and then affect others. You know, and that positivity, right. that that kindness, and and knowing that it's okay that it's not all unicorn. I always say it's not all, all unicorns and rainbows all the time, and that's okay. okay. And sometimes you do feel like floating around on a unicorn, and that's okay too. <laughs> And my my son's always like that. Yeah. But you know, they all need it. And um I think that that's that's the point is, you know, through COVID and through all of this pandemic, there is good because there, there, there are those of us who are not giving up and still continuing with our mission, you know, mm-hmm. and and continuing to just pivot and think, okay, no more in person. How can I reach more girls? How can I Still okay. get to them. How can I, you know, and some people are like, well, my daughter doesn't like virtual. And it's like, well, you know, unfortunately that's what we have to do right now. But I think there can be a stigma too about, you know, doing things virtually is bad. And and I think it's all what you do virtually, because even in our group that you and I were in, I mean, right. we did some awesome
0: things virtually. Oh my so, stars. Yeah. I never saw so many people mm-hmm. create create emotion and impact with their messages. Yes. Never. And these are people who are there to learn how to do that. But their hearts spoke through yes. the screen, right? Yes. I mean, yes. I, I was just in awe. I'm like, uh, am like, I'm in the right house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing when you're in the right company, um, what things can happen. So anyway, I know I could talk to you for the longest <laughs> time. So I, I just had to congratulate you for what you're doing keep going. I want to offer you my assistance anytime. Just keep, let me know if yeah. you want to run an idea okay. uh, across me. I'd be happy to, to be a part of,
1: Thank you, know, you
0: the girl's positivity. Yeah. Cause it's, it's really important. Thank I mean, you. learning, learning, coping skills. And this time has been tremendous, a yeah. tremendous opportunity for us to not only look at our own selves mm-hmm. and our ability to cope, but also those who are watching us. So instead of modeling mm-hmm. some martyr or some horrible, you know, yeah. Looking at the future as if it's all going to hell in a handbasket, basket. Right. Um, you know, all of that's not helping somebody cope and it's not altogether true. So those three words, is it true? Yes. Is it true? And today I, you know, like for, for me, when I teach my mom's, the people I, I work with yeah. yeah. today, I am well, I am safe. I'm loved. All is well. Mm-hmm. Okay. All is well is not a lie because in this moment, yes. I'm well. So yeah. in this moment, I'm really grateful for you to tell people where they can find you, Melissa. Thank you
1: so much. Girlspositivityclub.org is where you can find all of my programs and all of just everything I offer. And on social, Facebook and
0: Instagram, Girls Positivity Club. Awesome. Thank you so much for this time. Thank I so appreciate so I it. it.
1: We'll
0: you. talk soon. All okay. Right. Um, Thanks. Thank you. All right. Well, hey, my friend, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you're ready to go to another level, get your performance to another level without risking your health and your relationships. Don't forget to go to TheUndeniableBrand.com. Let me be your coach. Let me spend the first of each month with you, giving you a personal development seminar. Let me help you get unstuck, break through your emotional blocks, find your real clarity, your real passion and your purpose, and then implement the habits you know you need to implement. To change your life by getting a coach to give you some expert guidance specific to your desired outcome. And listen, You're here for a reason. You got as far as you could get. You're here. You achieve so much in your life, but to go to another level requires another level of mindset, another level of discipline, and another level of direction and community and consistency. You have an undeniable drive. So let's get it healthy, fully producing on your terms. And that's what my coaching program is all about. So book a free clarity session at the undeniablebrand.com and hey we'll see you on the next episode of undeniable impact be well